Hello everyone, I hope you are well. I'm Carlos Carnicero Uravallen and I want to welcome you all to Future is Blue, a series of podcasts bringing together top experts from academia and think tanks to discuss the most pressing European economic and policy challenges of today. This is a Funkas Europe initiative and we hope we can bring new ideas for a more inspiring debate about Europe. Sadly, another geopolitical conflict has emerged uh, since the publication of the last uh, issue of CIFO, uh, Funka's uh, flagship publication. Um, and this time, the conflict, the war is taking place in Gaza. And the situation is generating a lot of uncertainty for the global economy and the implications remain to be seen. Within this context, I'd like to welcome to the show again Alice Faivishenko, who's Senior Advisor at Funkas. Hello, Carlos. Uh, nice to be back again today. Thank you. Alice, thank you for joining. I know there's a new CIFO uh, publication. And as I said before, this time something has changed in the uh, in not far from, from Europe, quite, quite close indeed. And I understand that Funkas has recently updated in view of what's going on. Funkas has done some updates in its forecasts. Is that right? Well, yes. I mean, we, we've updated our forecasts. I wouldn't say exactly that um, this is definitely, you know, kind of taking into account what is going on in the Middle East. It's definitely overlapping. But, um, you know, it's it was it was a kind of part of our regular forecast update and, and to be honest it's difficult to know to what extent this tensions in the in the Middle East are going to actually have implications we have to see how long they last you know whether they extend so so we're all kind of in a, a in a holding period but it is true we've just recently revised our forecasts and GDP growth for Spain uh, we have it at 2.4 percent uh, for this year so that's just um, a little bit higher than what we were expecting in July of 0.2 percent from our previous uh, projections so we've had a lot of strong momentum um, since the start of the year this year driven a lot by internal demand both on the public and private consumption side but next year we're looking at a slowdown and we're going to feel that um, as we go into the future we're expecting a weaker external context as you mentioned you know part of that is, is is going to be related to that conflict in gaza also household excess savings are starting to kind of get you know exhausted because after covid we're, we're, we're drawing down on that and and we're you know we have had this interest rate hike cycle going on for a long time now and we'll, we'll start to continue to see the impact of those higher interest rates on the economy so so next year we're expecting a slower growth uh, 1.5 percent in 2024 um, just a little bit um, a little bit down from our previous forecast just 0.1 percent down so almost flat but what, what's interesting to point out and, and what's important for us is, is that we're still really maintaining this favorable growth differential with respect to the other eu countries so in fact the eu uh, european commission has just uh, once again cut gdp growth forecast for the eu we're looking at 0.6 percent in 2023 and 1.3 percent in 2024 so the comparative is you know 2.4 percent growth in spain versus 0.6% growth in the, e, in the EU. So, so that there is that, that notable um, contrast there where Spain is really outperforming still. And we should continue to see CPI 
uh, let up, you know, that'll, that'll continue to, to kind of decelerate inflation decelerating. So this year we're looking at 3.6% of inflation increase, a similar outlook for next year. Core inflation is still a little bit high. We're looking at 6.1% this year, but that'll also start to slow down in 2024. So at least it looks like the um, growth outlook is is not unfavorable at all, uh, which is good news. Um, but on this point, I wanted to ask you about the uh, performance in the tourism sector because it's so, so it's such a critical sector for Spain. Um, so what is what is new? Um, I mean, I mean, obviously the 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 COVID pandemic was terrible, like in many other countries that rely on tourism. But I think we are we've turned that page. Yes, definitely. Um, there were high expectations for the recovery of international tourism um, this summer in compared, comparative terms to what happened in 2019, so before COVID, and, and that has mostly materialized, so particularly in terms of average daily tourist spending. But just to give you some idea, in the first eight months of 2023, uh, total international tourist arrivals in Spain were, were really close to, to those pre-pandemic levels. Just, just a little bit under 1% short. So, you know, the, the, the sector really is recovering and, and we're happy about that. Um, that said, there's some interesting changing dynamics in the sector for Spain that are worth pointing out. So so there has been a shift, first of all, in, in some of those, the performance of some of the traditional source markets. For example, France, uh, the UK and Germany have really been our core traditional source markets. And um, France is still performing well. They're still increasing market share, but we are seeing some reduced market share from Germany and from the UK. So, so they're kind of giving up some of their market share relative to previous levels. And in parallel, we're seeing that shift accompanied by increased spending, I'm sorry, by increased tourism from the Americas, um, which typically have increased spending, increased purchasing power, um, both Latin America and North America. Um, so we're also seeing um, some increased Chinese tourism, which also has you know some some increased purchasing power. That that outlook remains to be seen because we're you know there's so many doubts about the performance of the Chinese economy and how that's all going to pan out. But for the meantime, you know that's a favorable trend, um, especially taking into account that now all COVID-related uh, impediments on tourism have really been removed. That's that's been happening since August. So, so those two trends, kind of that increase in tourism from the Americas, the increase in tourism from China that we hope will continue um, with higher purchasing power and higher spend um, from, those, from those countries, that, that, that really is hoping to underpin a, a constructive outlook for 2024. And lastly, just to point out, Catalonia um, has fared relatively poorly compared to the other major tourist destinations in Spain, um, when we look at, at relative to pre-pandemic uh, levels, um, and we're not really we're waiting kind of to see what's what's behind that. Our suspicions it could be related to over tourism, and um, that could be behind some of those poor results, both in terms of you know worse numbers and lower average daily spend. But as we said, you know it's a bit too early to tell what's really driving this, whether it's changes in preferences or just kind of a slower recovery for Catalonia. But but on the whole, the sector is is really performing fairly well and the outlook is favorable going into next year. So it looks like we'll have some uh, deceleration in growth in Spain next year. But um, on the whole, economic climate in Spain is really not unfavorable, as you just described. And certainly this is the case on a 
relative basis with Europe. Uh, can we now discuss a bit more what are the key vulnerabilities for Spain at present? Yes, of course. I mean, I think, as you said, growth, you know, so far is performing okay. But one of the vulnerabilities we really have on the radar screen in the short and the medium term is, is the country's fiscal imbalance, particularly at a time when we're seeing increased sovereign borrowing costs with this with this interest rate cycle increasing. Um, so just to kind of keep things in perspective, we have set state revenues that have been growing strongly, but we're expecting that to kind of slow down in 2024. And even though we're expecting a similar trend in public expenditures that they'll they will slow down over that time frame, we have to we have to keep in mind that the wage and, and state pension bill, you know, that's that's gonna that's gonna increase significantly. We're expecting that will raise structural spending by about twelve billion euros in two thousand twenty four. So that's gonna make it really hard for the new government to deliver on that three percent of GDP deficit target, especially in a year where in 2024, a year where we're expecting the reinstatement of the EU fiscal rules. So all of those factors are going to put the situation where it's really limiting the ability of the government to introduce new discretionary measures if they need to support households or corporations next year without running the risk of missing the deficit target. So, you know, if there's a shock, the the hands of the government are, are much more tied, you know, than than on previous instances. And also, we have to consider some of the additional obstacles the government has to overcome in terms of fiscal consolidation. So they have to maintain the cap on public spending in line with EU recommendations. As we said, they have to service this higher interest rate burden on the public debt. They have to finance this growing pensions expenditure under the current inflationary climate. So all of these, all of these, you know, kind of expenses that are that are there and that are that are really fixed um you know there's opportunity costs for not investing that money in other necessary public policies so that's why we just you know really want to highlight the advantages of taking um taking the moment seizing the moment of this this growth opportunity now to to really get on a solid roadmap for fiscal consolidation um, one of the main determinants of uh, Spain economic prospects and el- elsewhere in Europe, of course, is the impact of monetary policy. And this uh, new CIFO publication looks at one of the key aspects of this impact, and that is the reaction of households to higher mortgage costs. So, Alice, can you explain us uh, what what the evidence is uh, in this area? Sure, of course, exactly. This is, this is a very interesting uh trend that we're, we highlight in this CEFO. So we're really witnessing a situation where, you know, as we said, we have we had accumulated savings during the crisis, and now we're seeing savers uh, increasingly opting to pay down outstanding debts because of these higher interest rate, you know, this higher interest rate climate. And, and one area where we're really seeing that is floating rate mortgages. So, so let's take a little bit of a closer look at what's going on here. So after 18 months of rate tightening, so we've seen interest rates accumulated increase in interest rates of over four percentage points. And, and that, that increase has largely been passed on now um, to virtually all of the floating rate mortgages that have been taken out. Taken out, And you know, floating rate mortgages in Spain is a high percentage. We're talking about two thirds of the total stock of mortgages or so. So you know, that pass through, it's a gradual process. They, the mortgages reset and reprice gradually, but consistently um, in line with the stipulated contract repricing schedules. But, you know, that's contrasting with the slower pace of deposit repricing. As, as we've said before, I think in other conversations, deposit rates aren't adjusting as quickly. 
And so that kind of combination where we have higher borrowing costs on one hand and lower returns on savings on the other is really, really kind of driving this trend of prepayment of, of borrowings. And, and especially, as we said, the borrowings that are most affected by interest rate increases, such as these floating rate mortgages. So that's really emerged as a clear alternative to investing savings um, here in Spain. So, so if we kind of look at the numbers, looking at the long-run stability of monthly mortgage cancellations, that's about 26,000 mortgages a month. Um, and looking at the mortgage cancellation rates between, let's say, June 2022 and June 2023, we've seen incremental cancellations of about six or 7,000 a month on top of those kind of historical uh, cancellations. So, so we're really seeing um, the cumulative number of mortgages that have been prepaid during that period at somewhere between 75 to 85,000. So just to kind of put it into context, um, that's about two to three percent of the outstanding balance of mortgages, or in dollar in euro terms, nine to fourteen billion euros of outstanding mortgages that have been prepaid and cancelled. So you know we're really looking at a magnitude of early cancellations that's about half of the amount that's invested into to treasury bills and mutual funds in Spain in the first half of the year. So really underlying this increased trend. Um, about around savers having preferences to reduce their outstanding debts. And just one, one point that's related to that, we mentioned you know, the, the volume of mortgage cancellations relative to treasury and other investments. And just to highlight, the fund investment is not really new for Spanish households, but what, what is a new trend is households investing um, in direct purchases of fixed income securities, particularly treasury bills on the primary market. It's a trend that we're seeing in other countries as well, other European countries in Belgium, um, Italy, kind of this direct retail sovereign bond uh, issuance by the governments. And so, for example, in Spain, we're seeing 16 billion euros of, of, of direct purchases by individuals during during this period analyzed, so so mostly 2023. So, so it's just an, an interesting kind of trend that we're observing as well in parallel to this cancellations. Interesting, interesting. Alice, many thanks for sharing with us so many insights in such a short uh, period of time, so many numbers, so much to digest. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us today. Of course, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining. This was all for now. We will come back soon with more exciting speakers on Europe's economic and policy-related key debates. Future is Blue is a Funcas Europe initiative. I'm Carlos Carnicero Ravallen, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to recommend it to others and share it on social media. Thank you all and stay well. <laughs>